Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Serving Aces. I'm Alexander Stevenson, and I'm here with my co-host, Oog Levadier, aka Oogie. If you like us, follow us on at Believe at Alexander Stevenson at Oog Levay or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome, Oogie. How are you today? I'm awesome, Alexandra. How about you? I'm doing very well. It was a very big weekend for Novak Djokovic, the ATP Tour Finals champion for the seventh time. Wow. Look at that title. That says it all. Yeah, he just dominated the whole weekend, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, you look at him and you go... Okay, you have 24 Grand Slams, and then you struggled in the round robin. He had a loss. He almost he couldn't define his destiny. Sinner had to win that um, set against Runa, right? So oh, yeah, Sinner that's had right. to, there was yeah. something going on where he had Sinner ha- had it in his hands for Djokovic to make it to the semis. And, you know, I'm sure Novak didn't like that, that he had to wait around and he couldn't just decide he was there. And then it was like magical. All of a sudden he struggled three hour matches twice. Mm -hmm. And then he got to the semis and finals. And this is why the guy probably will be the greatest of all time for right now. Yeah. Right? Because we don't know all time. All time is endless. But 24 Grand Slams later, he shows us why he's the greatest champion playing tennis at the moment. That's right. I mean, he just played amazing semis and finals today. Just, I mean, two sets, two easy sets against Yannick Sinner, who, you know, midweek, it was like, okay, maybe Yannick can win, you know, the big tournament there. People were saying that in different areas, but uh, Djokovic, he turned he turned a notch a little bit, and he showed us that he's able to adjust so much. I mean, he just made so many adjustments. Um, so he's a yeah, he's the best one right now that plays our game. So that's for sure, big title. Exactly. Fan. And he look, he took out Carlos Alcaraz six three six two, and I feel like the turning point was the match in Cincinnati. Well, mm-hmm. actually, Wimbledon when he had a meltdown and nailed the side of the net. Right. And then lost. And Alcarez's forehand was on fire. And then Cincinnati, Djokovic, KG Djokovic figures it out, wins that tight match, wins the US Open. And then the last two days of his tennis IQ obviously was on point, but his forehand Oogie, he really went up a whole level whole nother level with his forehand I felt at one point he hit an 86 mile per hour forehand and Djokovic is not known for his his, right yeah his his like outright power right we know he has power but his forehand and his serve he had 13 aces against Sinner in that last match and 50 aces overall throughout the whole tournament that's big for him that's huge I mean with his game you're right he's the number one counter puncher in the world so that's for sure. And you know, you make him, you see him moving side to side, struggle, putting back in and, you know, playing defensively. But then suddenly when he gets into the rally, you can't beat him. He's just mm-hmm. unbeatable when he rallies. And suddenly when he gets short ball, normally, he, you know, he could miss a couple of forehands here and there, but uh, he was just right on point with his, his power just went up and he was really confident. I think he was so confident that he played that way. And 
Yeah, sort of. he really he really does work his way through the tournament. A la Serena Williams used to do that very well. Work her way through the tournament. Look down and out and then all of a sudden it's like a light switch goes on, everything falls into place and then you just beat everybody very handily. You're in right. three, the last three matches, the most important ones, right? And you're right. And that's scary because those those matches make him even more confident because in the biggest matches and the, the later rounds, that's when that's where you see the champions win tournaments. And then when he wins, he, he just dominates right now. So it's really tough. And you can look forward into Australia. Clearly, he's the favorite one to win that title and add another Grand Slam. So it's going to be tough for anybody to beat him over there. So Yeah, it was it was very interesting to watch how Alcaraz with the forehand, because I'm going back to the semifinal match that I checked in on, and uh, Alcaraz loves that forehand cross court. Well, guess who had a better forehand cross court? Novak Djokovic. So it was like when Ben Shelton was dialing it in, Novak Djokovic was like, oh, I'm going to dial it in. So so he he was like, okay, Carlos, you're going to have a great forehand cross. Well, now my forehand cross is going to be even better. And then Yannick Sinner, he's been serving better. I like his motion. I like the slide up, the toss a little more in front. He's getting more rotation. He's serving well. Djokovic is like, okay, you took me out in the round robin. Now I'm going to serve better. Yeah, you're right. And you can tell just by his, just by the look into Djokovic's eyes when he's looking on the opponents, when he's about to serve, you can tell he's trying to read, be in his mind. Okay, he's going to go down the, down the, down the tee or wide, and I'm just going to go hit. Because he hit some amazing returns today. Center was serving. And especially in, you know, in, in break points and stuff, he would just crack a return real deep and cross court. So what can you do about that? Because normally it's down the middle, deep, that's fine. But when it's in a corner a little bit more and deep, oof, that's Yeah, tough it was tough. And... The, some of the statistics, 10 unforced errors for Novak Djokovic, 30 for Sinner. Okay, we're going to know Yannick Sinner is going to have more unforced, but that's a big difference. And yep. then the serve, he was serving 13 aces, but he, he had 70% first serve, 64% second serves. That's why he won three and two. That's exactly it. So congratulations to him. Seriously. Yeah, he's just great a- job, a- Novak. And yeah. He he really he brought his game up. I know he's been bringing his game up, but the last two matches, hey, he brought his game up to a whole nother level. And what you said about Australia, he's playing more aggressive and he's taking a little more risks on that foreign. So everybody thinks he's great now. Watch out 2024. You're right. I think, you, you know, you, you touch a point there. I think Djokovic is not even at his best levels in his career. And that's mm-hmm. that's scary because he's winning a lot. Yeah, it's it's scary and it's exciting because I, I hate how everybody's like, oh, he's 36 years old. Well, come on. He's 36 years old. He could play till he's 45 with hey. the physical body he has. Okay, yep. maybe not. Maybe he doesn't want to play till he's 45. But yeah. you look at right now, 36, easily he could go 42. Yeah, I mean. He looks like he's entering his early 30s right now. He's like 30, 31, body-wise. I mean, his flexibility, his his physical regime he does every day. You know, yeah, stretch, his physios, <laughs> his chiropractor, it's just everything. His team, 
they know how to get him going. And the best part is you watch him, he's like down and out, and then he plays brilliant tennis. So yeah. it's entertaining. I, I remember a couple of years ago, it was kind of just boring to watch him. But mm. now he's he's becoming more exciting, Ugi. He is. And he brings the crowd element every time now, you know, because he's kind of the villain still a little bit. A lot of people in the crowd are, of course, today was in Italy. Sinners from Italy. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are going to pull for, for, for Yannick. But normally, even whatever he plays, the, the opponents are getting some crowd, you know, cheers because yeah, they want to, exactly. they want to read a little bit of him because he's number one. He's winning a lot. Plus, his game style is kind of, you know, you said boring, but I, I agree. Um, but now he's less that because he uses the crowd a little bit. We, I mean, their turnaround point when he was playing Alcaraz when Alcaraz was might have the been really up. long point. Yeah, oh, really long. And point. His, his defense to offense to defense to offense again, and then the yeah. footwork. Amazing. I mean, it's not boring. Not boring at all. And Alcaraz was up forty fifteen on that game in the second set. Good way to come back, and he just shut him down. He just he just won four straight points. Got the, you know, he still held the serve and it was still up a break instead of being back. So, I mean, he just shut that Karaz down there and that was he it. He sure that. did. So, again. Very impressive stuff. And he can more with the forehand. Like you said yep. earlier, I think Djokovic next year is going to, he's going to surprise us with that, I think, because I think I'm telling like, you that's his new shot. It's not, look, he's had a great forehand, but that forehand was another level this week. You're right. Because his backhand, we know his backhand. His backhand is one of the best in the world, if not the best two-hander. He can put it on a dime, mm -hmm. can redirect down the line, he can go cross-court forever. Uh, so he's, you know, his backhand is amazing, but his forehand, always really steady, but not much. Now he's going to be able to attack more. Come on, he's going to come to the net and finish points now. What's going on? He's going to be entering new levels in his game, I think, in next year. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll, it will be very entertaining, and I love that Sinner gave his runner-up speech in Italian. So then you know what? Novak Djokovic gave his speech in Italian. How impressive was that? Seriously, I, I didn't even know he could speak Italian. <laughs> You're right. I think it's French, Italian, Serbian, English. French a little bit. What else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to just say a couple of words in Italian, like, hey, come, you know, come, how yeah. you doing? Stuff like Grazie. that. He, Grazie. Yeah, he mille. was, he was on point. I mean, talk about politician. Hey, he could be the commissioner in 10 years when he finally decides to stop playing. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And well, still, now, next up. Yeah, the ATP WTA joint. I, I was uh, able to, yeah. to talk to somebody really influent. and uh, big Yeah. Fan. Yeah, a lot of talk about that. So, Well, there should be. So. About that. so it's good stuff coming up. Yeah, so he's going to go play Davis Cup for Serbia next. So that's really that's cool that he's going to play for his country after playing such a big year. That's very impressive. Awesome. And mm -hmm. now we're going to go on to Australia. It's the off season, but Australia is right around the corner. So yep. let's, before we get into um, a couple other things, let's go to the ball is in Oogie's court because a lot of what you have to discuss tonight does kind of, portray like what Novak Djokovic did this whole week and yep. he's gone through his ups and downs with his mental game and his resets and the last two matches were very impressive so Ugi, 
I'm tossing it to you. The ball is in your court. What's up for today? Hey, you're uh, you're a great job. And uh, I mean, Djokovic is the example, the perfect example of 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 our subject today. Because I wanted to say look, a couple words about you know being tough mentally. You know, just tough mentally because how do you handle pressure when you're on the tennis court, and especially in tournaments? And he's the one who does it the best. I mean, seriously. Did he look like he was in the final today or was he in the backyard hitting balls with his friend? I, that was amazing. I was like, he's I was almost smiling to his kids in the box and because both of his kids were there and he was like super emotional about it when he was speaching or interviewed. Uh, mm -hmm. He was blowing kisses all over the place. So it's a good moment for him. It's awesome to have his, his kids are getting older. So, um, but the subject is like, just how do you handle the pressure when you, you play tennis? And in life as well, you know, because you can relate that to other sports or, you know, different situations. And to me, there's a couple of points that are very important. And uh, here they are. You know, first, I think the confidence level has to be there. So whenever you, you want to not choke on the pressure in any sport, you can see that the players, the, the, the people are very confident in their abilities and yep. themselves and their abilities as well. Whenever you played your best tennis, Alex, you were very confident. You were rolling wins. You were confident. You were not second guessing yourself. And the the, the opposite is is true as well. You know, because you can tell who's not on on point right now. They're second guessing some decisions, and you can tell. You know, we talk about yeah. Tsitsipas and Tsitsipas and Ogelia Sim earlier in the year, and but now it can always move back the other way around quickly. But you can tell sometimes that you know people when they're on fire or not. That exactly. That and yeah, I, I have a good point on that with confidence. Obviously, going back to Novak Djokovic, the struggle he had through this tournament in the beginning, he was able to pull it out because he's confident in what he can accomplish in his game right now. And exactly. another kind of player would not have made it through the final and won. You're right. Because he almost was cut off, not even in semis, and then suddenly he's there. He fell super high, and now... Even the way that. he's walk, even the way he walks. So his walk kind of changes, right? He gets right. his shoulders a little more back. He gets oh, yeah. straighter. You can, it's just subtle, but you can see it. The subtle changes of when he's at his peak of confidence in his whole game, mm -hmm. as opposed to in the early rounds. Okay. He's still Novak Djokovic, but he's still trying to find his way through the tennis and the court and the surface oh yeah exactly and we can always see that in any matches whenever you play or i was i'm playing or or whatever we're watching on tv the physical like you said you know the physical you know the subtle stuff the attributes can... yep so the way the walk is the shoulders the way yeah. you take your time the way you react it's that's all goes into confidence and how you're portraying yourself in your attitude Exactly, because there's a lot of, you know, there's even courses in universities and they, you know, the, the body language, they have that. Yes. You can say, you can tell a lot of people, a lot of stuff by looking at somebody, the way they, they're looking, if they're looking up, they're looking inside or they're avoiding your your your, your look. Your, your or eyes. not looking at your eyes when you're talking yeah. to them or, or I call this the hangdog look, the shoulder slump and your head slumps down. So... That is right there. That just makes you feel low. So I'm always 
one of my students does that all the time when she misses. And I'm like, can you not do the hang dog? Cause it just brings you down. And so it's so important when you don't have the confidence or when you make a mistake, you react the same way as you do when you have a winner or you win the game, which is very tough for all players, but especially junior tennis players. That's really hard to get used to that every time. So how do you build the confidence, Ugi? We teach that, you know, to have positive body language. You know, at my academy, we have to, after every point, if you win one, you have to say, come on, or let's go, or you have to be something positive out of it. And So the first step in confidence is to build positive body language. For sure. For sure. Because think about the, the other side of the coin. If you lose a point, you shrug your shoulders and you start looking down. I mean, come on, you can't do that because your opponent is going to look at you and say, oh, he's down or she's down. So I'm feeling more confident. So the confidence level, you can't go roller coaster when you play in a match. You have to steady or steady higher <laughs> like a plane takes off. Yeah, that's, how, that's, exactly. that's how you do it. Even if you lose it, the score, you can't go down. So uh, and then now you, you can do encouragement like, come on, let's go and get yeah. intense. But, I, but what you said, the body language, the shoulder slump, what I said, how you build it. As soon as somebody starts doing that, you got to be like, no, reset, right? Yeah, and exactly. The, but then the player has to do it in their brain. That's the hardest part to get it translated for them to feel the difference. Exactly. So you just have to keep repeating yourself. Yep, that's it. And you have to train that. So that's that's you said it right there. So you win a point. You go, come on, or let's go, or, or fist pump, and you just see that all the time on TV, and that works. That's why they do it. There's a reason why the pros do it, so because it Perfect. works. They're piped up, gets them keep going. And if you lose a point, you have to find something neutral or positive. You can't go down into the negative stuff. So what I teach my students is to to say good shot to the opponent. And sometimes students will be like, I can't say that because then they'll feel more confident. No, no, no. Do it for yourself. Don't do it for the opponent. Whatever. Well, you, you tell them to say good shot or like just in their head? No, no, no. I, or I like acknowledge it. They verbally say good shot whenever they oh, say. That's very, because, very kind of you, Ugi. Yeah, but whenever it's a really good shot, because if it's just a rally and you hit a. Yeah, no, yeah. A, if it's if an amazing the shot, the, then you don't see, say nothing. The difference, I would never say good shot. I know. <laughs> I remember. I remember you. Didn't I say would that. never say good. Now, I would maybe acknowledge in my head or yeah. like I just wouldn't do anything, but I would never say good shot, even if it was a great shot. Yeah. But you were almost always attacking and being offensive. So the opponent didn't have that much time to make great shots because. Yeah. Were- but I look, some of my opponents make great shots. I think it's just the competitor in me. That part of me was pretty tough. I, I wouldn't be like good shot. I mean, now I've seen players, do their rackets and mm-hmm. that's just not me yeah. yeah yeah but the reason why i say to my students to do that you know why it's because i want them to keep being positive and and acknowledge that's a good, good. Shot, which yeah. you'll be like okay now next time it's going to be my next it's going to be my shot I'm, I, let me show you i can do the shot sort of attitude because you don't want to be sort of jealous of the opponent whenever they hit a good shot or be mad or no i to, agree you don't want to be yeah. mad yeah, but you want to get even. Yeah, juniors, they don't, <laughs> they don't understand the whole subtle things. You, you you were a pro, like a mature woman, so you understand a lot about that. Yeah, so. but as a as a junior, hey, my, my 
first coach, don't get mad, get even. You're right. So, but he's right. You don't get mad, but you get even, but you don't say good shot. Yeah. But if but, you, you, you get even, you hit a great winner right then. So that's, I like yeah. that. That's good. That's but awesome. I like I like how you do that too. Look, everybody's different, right? So everybody has to be coached differently, and that's I I like that. For some players, that's a good thing to do because so that they don't get too negative. Exactly, and you know I'm at, I'm at the stage that that most of my juniors are like 12, 13, 14 year old. So it's kind of good for me to to influence them to have good values, which is kind of good. That's important. <laughs> and later on, whenever that's important. They, whenever they win a lot. They can choose for themselves. They will want to say exactly. And hey, tennis is life skills, right? Teaches you exactly. life skills. We had a whole podcast about that the other day. You brought that subject, which was very intelligent and nice. And I had have to tell you, I've got a couple of uh, adults around me that they listen to our podcast and they they love your 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 thoughts on that because oh, they were thank you, that. thanks guys. Especially one of them that had a young daughter and. Oh, he was like, oh, I was melting those words because to me, it's really important. I'm, I'm, because he wanted her to be in tennis, and now it gives him more munitions to do it because you, you gave all those great answers and reasons to for the daughter to get tennis. Yeah. Cool. All right. So confidence, Oogie. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So maybe the last one for tonight would be uh, to focus on breathing a little bit more. You know, to make sure you're, because you know, you want to be confident and because it was not to choke on the court. So whenever you're nervous and you can't deal really white with your confidence level, let's say you're confident, but you're still nervous because that happens, you know, you have a yes, good match, exactly. tough match, so your battle. You get nervous. butterflies. Yeah. yeah you're, you're down a break first set. You were expecting to be more even and maybe ahead, but now you're down a break and mm -hmm. you're still nervous and maybe not letting your shots go a lot. So to focus on breathing, that's a great solution in any sports. We can see a lot of pros, uh, they can they can take deep breathe, deep breath. Yes. You know, feeling great and getting everything that's out. That's so important. Take a deep breath through your nose and out through your mouth. That's right. And I mean, we have great technique, yeah? You, you know a lot about that. You know, you, you inspire with your nose, through the bottom mm -hmm. of your lungs. and then Through your the diaphragm. Your yep. And then you expire with your mouth. Yeah. And that breathing, you work that for a lot. And... I can even get my heartbeat down within seconds for a couple of beats minutes. So exactly. that's kind of, kind of great. And because meditation nervous. helps too with breathing. Yeah, exactly. Visualization. Yep. That was in my notes as well, because that's so important because that goes together. Uh, whenever you breathe well and you can control breathing, because when you, you're kind of nervous, then your heart goes faster. And when your heart goes faster, you want to go, okay, let's settle down a little bit there. Because I'm gonna run anywhere on the tennis court, so I don't want my heart to go even faster. I mean, sometimes players they get a little bit, uh, you know, too much, too much involved. So uh, you want to control that breathing, and then you want to make sure your mind is in the same way. So you visualize a lot. You see players all the time on changeovers. They put their towels on top of their heads, and they're they're relaxing. Their visualization, and yes. they're getting their happy place. <laughs> well, especially you're under so much pressure on the court. And it's not pressure that you're putting on you. It's just the pressure of playing the point and using your brain and hitting the shots and moving your feet and getting a position. It's a different kind of pressure as a tennis player because it's, it's just you on, out there, right? Mm -hmm. So if you stop breathing, the first thing that stops 
is oxygen to your brain, then you can't think and then you can't move. So holding your breath is not a good idea. You're right. And then some players, sometimes they, they hold their breath the whole point. And I'm like, and there was a <laughs> yeah. running back. The You're here. like, you need to breathe. Like he's running. And then whew, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Keep breathing. That's why we, we, we scream or we yell whenever we hit a shot, we go, ah. and then you get some air or the breathing. Grunt or yeah, or breathing yeah. through. Yeah. Cause that's letting air yeah. in and out too. Why they grunt a lot, but then not as much as Sharapova. Not screaming, but grunting. You're playing an Eastbourne and Maria Sharapova was screaming so loud. You had to say something to the umpire. Or Asarenka's scream. Crazy. Which <laughs> or one? even Serena when she gets intense. Oh, yeah, it was so big. But which I was going to ask you, like, which uh, which one of these did, uh, did you pick uh, the most whenever you were playing very well and you were really under the nerves a little bit in big matches. Do you, you know? I think uh, the breathing, I was really good at like going, taking a deep breath, especially after a long point, because it helps yeah. you recover. So right. the breathing, um, I always walked with my shoulders back, but that came from ballet. And some people thought I was, I don't know. One time I, Billie Jean King was like, why do you walk like a diva? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not doing it on purpose. I just, I was trained in ballet. So I have very good posture, right. but that helps me for my confidence because when you walk straight back, you know, it's like the Superman or Superwoman stance. You put your hands on your hips, chest out, and yeah. then you feel you can conquer the world. Right. You see Djokovic doing that a lot, walking straight back, chest out. And when you have that R about you or the walk, that kind of helps you. But definitely the breathing and positive talk, like, come on, let's go. Um, I use come on, let's go. A little thigh slap here and there, fist pump, those things. Those always helps. But breathing, I think, would be number one, especially before you go out on the court. Make sure you get a lot of breaths in so that you're not walking out with those butterflies. You're right. Wow. Did you ever walk into a match like feeling very nervous? Because, yeah, maybe the event, maybe. I did. Yeah. So when I walked out <laughs> to center court of Wimbledon, yeah. yep. My, so my first time at center court, my first Wimbledon playing Lindsay Davenport, and I got killed. And I, look, I'm saying I did breathing and confidence, but I should have breathed more. <laughs> And I did have a breathing coach, Ugi, a Russian. He was Russian. Wow. He was a former weightlifter. And this was in 98, 99. And his name was Mikhail. And mm. he taught me how to rub my stomach and breathe while squatting. And wow. when I had my stomach pull at before Wimbledon, I pulled my stomach muscle and I half served through qualifying. So I wasn't healthy. But I got, I pulled it in Birmingham, England, um, when I qualified to the quarterfinals and I had to play Natalie Toziat. And I ended up not getting the player because I pulled the stomach muscle the match before. Mm. And so we called Mikhail over the phone. He was in California. That's where he li lived. That's yeah. how I met him from San Diego. And he only spoke Russian, but his wife spoke English. So he come on the phone with me and speak to me in Russian as I was doing my breathing exercises. Wow. And I would do them for like 20 minutes each day. So this is why breathing is really important because it did heal my stomach muscle enough for it to be taped. Yep. I had 
seven days off before qualifying of Wimbledon and uh, to heal it. I didn't hit a ball after mm. Birmingham. And then the day before I hit, I got it taped from the great WTA physios. They're amazing. They can do any kind of tape. You, you remember <laughs> them. Um, yeah. And they taped me up and I did like, ha I didn't half serve, but I figured out how to do a kind of a version of a half serve. <laughs> And I got through qualifying in two sets each round wow. um, over at Orangi. And then by the first round, I was still taping my stomach muscle all the way up until the semis. I, I played with it, basically. And by then, my shoulder was pretty exhausted because sure. I was using more than I should have. You compensated. Yeah, but I was doing breathing exercises the whole three weeks, Ugi. So you can't say that breathing doesn't help you. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I didn't know all that information. I know. I didn't see, guys. I oh. just gave you some information that nobody knew. Secretly, I was doing breathing exercises with Mikhail on the phone in Russian 20 minutes before each match. And in the rain delay against Jelena Dokic, yeah. Uh, I won the first set. I was down five, two in the second in the rain delay. We called him up and I was in the like player area lounge talking to him, rubbing my stomach and breathing in and doing deep squats. Wow. So yeah. So, Hey, it really helped. And whenever we're doing the, this podcast with images, I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> the rub stomach while doing a squat. Come on. Yeah. The belly rub while squatting. <laughs> But seriously, awesome. it it helped. It healed. So stomach stomach tears are very tough, and especially as a tennis player. And I was a new tennis player on the tour, and of course, that's kind of the first thing that you do is, yeah. if you're a big server, you might do a slight strain or a tear in your ab, because mm -hmm. you just have to get your core stronger. And I was 18 out of high school. I wasn't like 18 out of training five hours a day. So, sure. uh, but I was still athletic enough to carry it off. And I credit, Hey, Mikhail from Moscow. He really helped me. That's awesome. And he was like 85 Oogie. He was, he was oh. old. He was older, but he was a decorated weightlifter, won gold medals. Yeah. He must, he must have been huge physically. So you can't really argue with him. You're like, okay, no, oh. no. And you know, he was from the USSR. You didn't mess with him. So he told you to breathe in Russian. You breathed in Russian. What is the word breathing in Russian? You remember? I, I should, I should really remember that. I need to, uh, next week I'll tell you. Oh, for sure. And does <laughs> his, does his wife was translating in English because only Russian to you, maybe that's, you didn't Well, so he didn't like, so I'd get on the phone and she'd say hi and everything and we'd set it up, but he didn't want translation. Ooh. So he just wanted it in my brain with the rhythm of the breathing. Okay. Okay. And now I'm getting very holistic here. Right. But you know what? Novak Djokovic would really like this because I know huh. he's holistic. I'm very holistic too, just not on his level, but yeah. So he wanted the Russian to go into my brain with the timing of the breathing of the rhythm. Wow. And so I never knew what he was saying actually. Which is kind of nice because yeah, I was, it was just the sound of his voice yeah. and the tempo and just I found the rhythm with the breathing and obviously I understood it because it kept healing me, right? It worked. You're yeah, right. it worked. Wow. And you know, sounds 
people can understand other people with different languages. It's, For sure. It's, yeah. You can't totally understand, but you know, we all can figure it out, right? Yeah. And the Russian language is, is maybe not like the romantic language, but it's more of a you know, code language with, so the, with the beat, I can, I can, I can see that, you know, that it could really work and yeah. could do you down and calm And it you. was funny because then I went on tour and like 40% of the women's tour was Russian. So I was around <laughs> Russians right. all the time. You're right. There was a <laughs> lot of great Russians players still, still yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. It, but definitely was... confidence and breathing. I love those two. Those are huge for any sport, especially tennis though. Yeah, exactly. So there you have it. All right. Great job, Ugi. So let's um, wrap things up a bit. We got we got to talk. Look, 49ers play the Seahawks, Seattle Seahawks Thanksgiving night. That's going to be very exciting. I yep. know Canadian Thanksgiving, I think, was a week ago. So mm -hmm. happy Canadian Thanksgiving. It's not Thank as you. big of a tradition as it is in America, right? Yeah, not even close. I mean, in the yeah. U.S., whenever I was, I was in college and I mean, you guys, it's amazing because it was about my birthday, late November. Yep. So Oogie's awesome. birthday is coming, coming up, up, guys, Sunday, uh, the 26th. Right. And so, it's the big 5-0. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> that, hey, this is a momentous occasion, Oogie. We have Thanksgiving and Oogie's birthday. <laughs> it's a big Sunday. week, right? And, oh, we can't forget Monday night, Chiefs versus... Oh. I mean, Taylor and the Chiefs against, yep. I mean, Travis. You mean brother. Travis and the Chiefs or Taylor and the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's going to be awesome. Seriously. Yep. I mean, they all play. the captains there. I mean, the mom's going to be having like a red and, red and green, right? Red and green jersey. <laughs> exactly. So they take on the Eagles Monday night. Yeah, that's right. That could be maybe Super Bowl again. Yeah. You're yeah, right. and, and it was sad about um, Taylor Swift. A fan died at her concert in Rio, and she had to yeah. cancel. I think three. So I don't that know. Was you told me about that. You told me the, about that. Yeah, they were getting they were, yeah. The fans were getting very upset. But hey, she did the right thing. That's very sad, and everybody should have empathy towards I the mean, poor fan. Way too hot and humid, and, and that somebody dies from heat exhaustion. I mean, come on, you can't just. Oh, I, I'm missing my concert. Yeah, but let's come back in a couple of weeks when it's cold. Exactly, cold. exactly. So all empathy out to that fan's family. And, yeah. you know, it's so funny. The other day I was listening to, I like to listen to Vogue, the podcast, uh, okay. Vogue magazine, Oogie, because I got to catch up on my fashion. And this was hilarious because they were talking about Travis Kelsey and his fashion. So no. now Travis Kelsey has crossed over into Vogue universe, Oogie. They had on his brand assistant slash helper of style, not stylist because he styles himself. But this lovely lady came on and gave the rundown of what he's doing. And he has a clothing company that he started in 2019. And now he's working with brands to make more clothes and like all his offbeat color shirts that he's rocking they're yeah. now selling out. So the shirt he wore at the concert with Taylor sold out. So the sure. designer was a new designer. And I guess, so Travis Kelsey has now crossed over into the fashion game, Oogie. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. If I mean, look at him. He's got the style. 
He's got. Yeah, a he's always had style, and you know, football players. It's fun because they get to dress up, right? Unlike yeah, tennis players, I guess we could. Venus did it at the U.S. Open. She was the first one to do it, like basketball players and football. Did mm-hmm. you see when she came fully decked out in like six inch high heels? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. She, and like, she had a coat and this dre- like skirt and top and she looked fabulous. She yeah. made an entrance, right? Well, football guys do that every week. Yeah. Because whenever and, they enter the stadium, that's, that's when they're, that's dressed. what they do. Right. They, they don't go, go in sweats. Family with dinner. And then, so yeah. they the entrance and basketball player do it as well and they do it too so kelsey travis kelsey has always been fashionable and always walked in but only his fans have noticed right but now the fashion world's noticing so you watch next year i don't know watch out yannick sinner gucci might be calling for travis kelsey <laughs> hey we'll see that crossover i'm sure it's yeah coming. you're right it's coming it's coming all right, so that's going to be fun Monday night, and we we don't have any tennis, but we can still still discuss tennis in the off season. Lots of topics to discuss. Thanks. I got to give a shout out to Deion Sanders, Coach Prime again. Look, the Buffaloes got beat again. Shadur yeah. took too many hits, but that Coach line. Prime, you know all his posts on his Instagram. You got to believe in yourself. You got to have confidence. God has a plan. I like it. So let's keep it going. He's going to be back. It'll be fine. I'm still yeah. a buff fan and coach prime. That's right. And, it, and you, it, and it, you just don't give up. You keep working. Yeah. Yeah. The, that, and you take the good pieces, the great pieces they have, and you build on that and get that protection line in front of the quarterback. And that's going to make a huge difference next year. Exactly. Okay. So one more thing, formula one, Oogie, you were talking about that. Tell me about this. Uh, Max Verstappen. That's right. You told me there's a song about him with that. There is. Students were singing it itself. Yeah. So <laughs> one of my older students, I'll tell you a quick story. It kept going dun 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 dun, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "You don't know this th- song." And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Dun dun dun, Max Verstappen. Dun 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 dun." <laughs> Max Verstappen. And I was like, who is Max Verstappen? So then I looked him up and I went, oh, maybe I should know him. So give me a little facts on Max Verstappen, Oogie. Oh, that's hilarious there. I mean, we got to get you a mic to sing a little bit more often. Awesome (laughs) right there. I mean, Max Verstappen, he's number one in the Formula One race uh, season right now. He's awesome. He's with Red Bull, the the racing team, and they're, they're just dominating. I mean, He's, he's got 500 and something point, let's say 580. And the next guy has 290. I mean, he's like so in front. I mean, it's they're crazy, they, huh? He won the title like almost halfway through the season. I mean, it was yeah. mathematically impossible for him to get caught up. But um, And he won again this week. In Vegas, your favorite Vegas. place. The, the, I mean, the craziest place to have a, a Grand Prix. The first one, they had it in Las Vegas. It was this weekend. Uh, the race was on last night, this morning early. Uh, it was it was amazing because the the drivers really liked that race, and I was like, the track they loved it, and I'm like, I'm not sure they're gonna love that track because it's not built for that. It's a down, it's a downtown, it's a strip, you know. They and they didn't just, they cover up the water like the pothole things? Didn't they cover them up right. with dirt? I mean, they had a huge. I mean, the Grand Prix almost was canceled because on Thursday they had free trials, and you know Fridays are the qualifying sessions, and then. The race was on Saturday. Normally, it's a day later, but uh, to make sure Europe was getting the action on TV, yeah. 
big contracts over there because Formula One racing is more Europe, you know, with all the teams, the names, the sponsors. It's more in Europe, the races. Uh, but then they want to make sure that it was on. So uh, the, the first Thursday night, a drain, a water drain just explodes up. Somebody drove on it and then whoosh, it just went <laughs> up. And so they stopped everything, red flag right away, make sure that no car, because it was a foot deep. So but everybody was safe. So that was good. Oh, thank God. Somebody didn't step on that with a tire because exactly. something happened. But, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, Carlos Sainz, a guy from Ferrari. You know, he's, he, uh, he injured his car. Oh, <laughs> his well, car was, well, at least his, his car can be fixed. Oh, yeah. but not, It's how, better he didn't get injured, right? You know how much that would cost? No, I'm kidding. Oh, but, a lot. But yeah, did, yeah. Weren't, weren't Taylor Fritz and Tommy Paul there? Right, they were there with their girlfriends. So, well, of course, they're Instagram influencers. The girlfriends have to go. Everybody was there. I mean, seriously. I mean, Justin Bieber was waving the flag at the end. So it was whatever. the place to be, Oogie. We missed it. <laughs> you were. I mean, you're close. Yeah, I'm, I'm far, closer. <laughs> you were like four hours from there, but. Uh, well, that's yeah. cool. So next year they'll just have to adjust some things, and I'm sure they'll have it again. It was a big if, hit. They fixed that and nothing went on wrongly afterwards so uh that's good news and the drivers were happy uh so the crowd i'm sure it was amazing to be there because it's the strip i mean the the, the winners you know they were taken to into the limousine at the bellagio somewhere close to there the ceremony was there suddenly the water in front of the bellagio went up again because it was How not cool well hey vegas is known for a show exactly and that's what they they delivered that's what they did I'm perfect happy. place for it Okay, so um, we're going to end this podcast. This was a lot of fun, Oogie. Mm-hmm. We're going to end with a quote, and it's, I am grateful to life. Ooh, who said that? Novak Djokovic in his oh, speech. Who else? Yeah. Who else, right? And, you know, right now in our world that's full of angst and problems, it's profound that he said that. We should all oh, yeah. be grateful to life, Oogie. He's amazing. I mean, sorry, he's spiritual a lot too. You know, he's become that within a couple of years. He's more and into spirituality. Yeah, so and he's more grounded. Often. And I love that he said that. And we should all be grateful for what we have right now, and this, especially in the honor of Thanksgiving week. What right. you're, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? So That's I'm right. thankful for this podcast tonight. This has been Serving Aces with Alexander Stevenson and Oog Levadier. Thanks, Oogie, for coming on. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.